Volume Three, Chapter Three, of *The Mummy: A Tale of the Twenty-Second Century*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. *The Mummy: A Tale of the Twenty-Second Century* by Jane Loudon, Volume Three, Chapter Three the evening of the day on which prince ferdinand and lord edmund were committed to prison sir ambrose as he was writing in his study was startled by a loud scream and flying to the spot from whence it proceeded he found clara lying upon the ground insensible whilst Abelard was stooping over her and endeavouring to render her some assistance good god cried ambrose what is the matter it is all owing to the carelessness of the domestic assistants at the next door replied Abelard. number seven is just come back from brighton and one of the assistants being occupied in making observations on the sky instead of minding what he was doing pushed the house a little on one side as it was slipping into the sockets and poking the horizontal spout through our library window they have knocked down this shelf of books and frightened poor miss clara out of her wits stupid idiots said the baronet she would have been killed if the books had fallen upon her i beg your pardon sir ambrose said the culprit putting his head through the window i do not conceive miss montague would have been injured even if the books had fallen upon her the weight of her body i should apprehend must be nearly equivalent to that of the books consequently the resistance she was capable of opposing being fully equal to the blow she would have received the effect must have been neutralized confound your explanations said sir ambrose whose anger was increased tenfold by this speech you have almost killed my niece and now you want to drive me distracted i am always willing to hear reason but i hate explanations your honour must excuse me remarked Abelard, pausing in his attempt to raise clara but your honour's syllogism is not well maintained your honour has been pleased to state that you love reason and yet your honour professes to hate explanations now to explain and to give reasons are synonymous the devil take your logic cried sir ambrose clara my dear clara open your eyes my love are you hurt i would not say anything disrespectful to sir ambrose for the world resumed the man whose carelessness had occasioned clara's accident but i cannot refrain from observing to you mr Abelard, that even now his honour's last proposition was by no means self-evident the copula and the predicate did not agree for how could the devil personified in his honour's speech as an active agent take that is seize or lay hold of your logic mr Abelard, a thing which is not tangible perhaps his honour spoke metaphorically observed Abelard, and then you know one is allowed a license oh if his honour spoke metaphorically it alters the case completely returned the man and you would let my niece lie and die whilst you are settling the point cried sir ambrose as he raised clara himself and placed her upon a chair how are you my dear child continued he in a softer tone what is the matter where have they injured you oh my dear uncle sighed clara i am not hurt but edmund is in prison and he will certainly be beheaded in prison child you must be dreaming indeed i am not uncle i heard the men say so who are placing the adjoining house he has fought with prince ferdinand in the palace garden my boy my darling boy 
cried sir ambrose and rushed out of the room in despair follow him for heaven's sakes follow him eh blood said clara the worthy butler obeyed wringing his hands and lifting his eyes up to heaven whilst clara remained perfectly motionless and apparently absorbed in thought i will save him said she after a short pause or perish in the attempt in the bitterest anguish of mind sir ambrose hastened to the palace but he was refused admittance as he was informed the queen was in a high fever he inquired for his friend the duke he too was invisible his late attack having placed his life in imminent danger dr coleman was in attendance on the queen and the lords of the council though they affected to sympathize with the unfortunate father evidently though covertly rejoiced at the disgrace of their most powerful rival repulsed on every side sir ambrose now proceeded to the prison but here also he was refused admittance and sadly and slowly he returned home in despair resting his sole remaining hopes upon the advice and assistance of father morris upon whose gigantic strength of mind he was accustomed to rely implicitly in all the impotency of age and misery the prison to which ferdinand and lord edmund had been conveyed was situated in a close disagreeable part of the city of london called kensington it had been formerly a palace and had been surrounded by a noble park miscalled a garden the devastating hand of improvement had however as usual waged war against all the sublimer charms of nature and the majestic beauties of kensington fell victims to its fury narrow unwholesome streets now rose where spreading oaks had once stretched forth their venerable arms and verdant lawns had become dirty causeways whilst ponds were turned to water-pipes and jacob's well kept clean a common sewer as ferdinand and edmund had never seen kensington in its pristine glories they could not now regret the change and it was to them neither more nor less than a place of confinement a spot very few people show any manifest relish for immediately upon their arrival prince ferdinand and lord edmund had their wounds dressed by the automaton steam surgeon belonging to the prison which being properly arranged and wound up staunched the blood spread the plasters and affixed the bandages with as much skill as though it had done nothing but walk a hospital all its life as soon as these operations were performed the prisoners were locked up in separate cells and left to meditate upon their situations good heavens cried ferdinand looking round with astonishment at the elegant apartment he was shown into adorned with a painted velvet carpet silk curtains and chairs and tables inlaid with brass and ivory whilst a sumptuous canopy hung over a bed of down on one side and divers little cupids supported lights held back curtains and performed numerous other useful offices in different corners can this be a prison neither paris nor vienna possess palaces half so splendid the surprise of ferdinand was natural as he was still almost a stranger in england and did not know that our happy island had been long blessed with a race of people who thought prisons should be made agreeable residences and had gone on improving them till they had ended in making them temples of luxury in spite of all the conveniences of his prison however ferdinand was perfectly wretched he could not imagine what reason lord edmund had had for fastening quarrel upon him for as his passion for elvira though violent had been quite as evanescent as that he had formerly entertained for rosabella he had not the least idea of having excited lord edmund's jealousy fatigued at length with forming fruitless conjectures 
he threw himself upon his bed of down and soon lost the remembrance of his cares in a refreshing slumber in the meantime clara was revolving in her mind the best method of putting in practice a wild scheme that she had formed of visiting prince ferdinand in prison she did not dare to confide her plan to any one for she feared that anybody she might consult would either laugh at her folly or betray her secret besides to obtain any assistance she must give some motive for her conduct and as clara did not exactly know her own reasons for thus acting it was quite impossible she could make out a case to satisfy another to go however she was determined and when the family of her uncle were all retired she wrapped herself in a large mantle and with some difficulty contrived to reach the street the night was cold and dark a thick mist fell and clara seemed chilled to the heart yet a feeling she could not account for urged her on clara was young and romantic she loved prince ferdinand and she fancied him in danger how she was to save him she knew not and yet it was solely the hope of saving him that urged her forward she had discovered he was confined at kessington and thither she went her steps but as she passed the palace she found a crowd of balloons floating around it laden with persons whose anxiety respecting the queen had kept them waiting and induced them to besiege her door personally with their inquiries whilst the lighted flambeaux belonging to these aerial vehicles flashed brightly in the air and looked like a multitude of dancing stars as they rapidly crossed and recrossed each other above her head this little incident completed poor clara's bewilderment and terrified lest she should be seen and recognized she hurried on without exactly knowing where she was going till perplexed by the different appearance the street seemed to assume in the darkness and her own fears she found to her unspeakable dismay that she had lost her road in the greatest agitation and distress she now wandered to and fro whilst her embarrassment was increased every moment by the ill-timed raillery of the passers-by at last she became quite surrounded by a group of people who assailed her with so many questions and jokes that the poor girl quite overpowered stopped short and burst into tears oh and what are you about to be after disturbing a poor young creature like that cried the well-known voice of father murphy as the friar's portly figure was seen bustling through the mob what are you after there don't you see the poor thing has lost her way in the darkness and if your mother has so how do you think she'll ever be able to find it never did any music sound so harmoniously in clara's ears as the father's rich deep brogue and darting forwards she threw herself in his feet and clasping her arms round his knees she exclaimed oh save me save me i am clara clara montague clara cried father murphy in the utmost astonishment clara why what in the name of heaven brings you out child at this hour of the night oh don't ask me father returned clara gasping for breath that is i will tell you presently but take me away for the love of the blessed virgin save me from these men come here my child said the father drawing her arm within his own and walking away with her let us leave these people and now continued he when they were already at some distance from the crowd you must tell me child what brings you here this question though it was a very natural one for the fire to ask was beyond clara's power to answer in fact she trembled so dreadfully she could scarcely stand and when she attempted to speak 
her teeth chattered in her head so violently that she could not articulate a syllable poor thing muttered the compassionate priest after waiting a few minutes in vain for an answer she'll be better presently and now was dark and they walked slowly on some paces without speaking when four bright flashes from a neighbouring clock announced the completion of some hour the next instant the solemn deep-toned bell distinctly pronounced the word one and then all again was silent i had no fancy it was so late said the father whose disposition was naturally too cheerful to let him ever remain long silent did you think it was one o'clock clara i little thought i should ever be wandering with you dear in the streets at such a time of night i can't help fancying it's all a dream anyhow so speak darling if you can and tell me all about it clara felt faint and only replied by clinging yet more firmly to the friar's arm father murphy was frightened and thought she was going to die oh murder cried he what will i do she breathing her last sweet creature and nobody by to help her and i not knowing how to comfort her the delicate form of clara seemed every instant to become more heavy as she still clung almost unconsciously to the friar's arm and feebly gasped for breath oh what will i do what will i do repeated the poor father looking eagerly around for aid all however was dark and gloomy and silent as the grave suddenly a bright metal-like substance appeared at the edge of the horizon and the friar to his unspeakable transport discovered it to be a night fire-stage balloon he hailed it and in a few moments it was hovering over their heads the accommodation ladder was let down and clara and her companion having ascended to the car the balloon again rapidly sailed along where are we going asked clara faintly oh returned the friar and that's what i never thought of asking darling but heaven be praised that ye are so much better as to be able to bother yourself about it we are going to kensington miss said the balloon conductor kensington repeated clara clasping her hands together in transport thank god it's a very good thing to be thankful anyhow said the father but i own i don't see why you should cry out in such rapture when you find we are going the wrong road oh no no father returned clara not the wrong road for kensington is the goal of all my wishes poor thing she is certainly distracted thought father murphy the loss of her cousin has deprived her of her senses but i will let her take her own way perhaps she'll be better presently where will you like to be set down asked the man near the prison cried clara eagerly near the prison repeated father murphy shrugging his shoulders ay ay i was right not another word was spoken till the balloon stopped and the passengers were set down all still was dark save two lights which gleamed from a tower belonging to the prison like the eyes of a mighty giant and showed below a tall clumsy-looking figure that marched with heavy measured steps to and fro before the gates whilst at a little distance lay a party of soldiers bivouacking clara shuddered as she looked at them and hastily turned away timidly approached the figure and begged it to let her into the prison it continued its march but as it did not speak she attempted to pass by it no admittance said the figure as she touched it in trying to reach the door i implore you cried clara wringing her hands in agony the figure did not reply but continued its solemn tramp unmoved 
its hollow steps falling heavily upon the ear at regular intervals driven to despair clara again endeavoured to rush past it but as she again touched it she was again repulsed whilst the figure reiterated its monotonous no admittance clara threw herself upon her knees before it in agony clara clara dear cried father murphy attempting to raise her you are certainly quite beside yourself don't you see it is an automaton nothing can stop it but the proper check-string and that is in the little guard-house yonder round which you see the soldiers lying then they can admit me said clara wildly they are men and will surely listen to me then before the father could stop her she flew towards them and throwing herself at the feet of the commanding officer implored his pity the officer was a man of feeling and touched with compassion at her evident anguish he promised to endeavour to grant her petition ere father murphy who was too fat to move with much agility could reach them thank you thank you cried clara kissing the officer's hand god bless you the officer smiled at her warmth wait here a little said he i will soon return and admit you if i obtain permission but state prisoners are ordered to be guarded so closely that i dare not take any step respecting them without consulting the governor so then you'll get in after all said father murphy who had approached near enough to hear this last speech well well what a world this is we live in here have been dukes and princes begging for admission unsuccessfully and yet a little saucy girl only because she happens to be half distracted is let in at the very first word clara did not reply but wrapping herself in her cloak sat down on a large stone near the gates to wait the officer's return the solemn automaton was stopped for a moment to allow him to pass but it had now resumed its slow measured step and clara's heart sickened at the sound the mist cleared away and the night became fine though cold whilst the moon having struggled through the clouds which rapidly scudded across the sky shed her pale feeble light upon the sea clara shuddered as she looked at the dark heavy building behind her and wrapping her cloak tighter around her fixed her eyes anxiously upon the heavens watching the varied shapes assumed by the clouds as they drifted along and sighing heavily as they passed now tell me dear said father murphy seating himself beside her what you mean to say to your cousin when you get in to see him speak freely for the devil a word the spellpins yonder shall hear of what we're going to say by reason of their being all fast asleep my cousin exclaimed clara who what your cousin edmund that you come so far to see resumed the father my cousin replied clara oh ay true it was my cousin who fought with him you know but i don't want to see my cousin not want to see your cousin reiterated father murphy his eyes almost starting from his head in the excess of his astonishment why did you come here then to-to see prince ferdinand said clara in a faltering voice looking down and blushing father murphy's astonishment was now far too great for words and he could only look at her in speechless horror as he revolved some plan in his mind for getting her quietly back to her friends how wild she looks thought he she must be put in confinement there is no saying to what length so strange a delusion may carry her whilst the poor father was thus cogitating and repeating to himself divers coaxing forms of words by the help of which he hoped to persuade her to return 
the automaton again stopped and the prison door flying open the officer beckoned clara to advance she flew towards him clara clara dear said father murphy had you not better go home again but clara heard him not she was already in the prison the doors had closed and the automaton sentinel had again resumed his measured beaten track oh dear oh dear cried the unhappy father murphy what will i do how will i get her out poor sir ambrose it will break his heart i dare say he knows nothing about it this kind of fits always come on suddenly thus lamenting the worthy father walked up and down before the prison in a state of pitiable distress till a bright thought flashed across his mind and he set off as fast as his trembling limbs could carry him to put it in execution in the meantime clara had followed the officer into the prison and her heart beat faster as she advanced for her undertaking now appeared to her in a new light and she trembled as she thought of the interpretation the prince might put upon her boldness it was however too late to repent she had not even time for hesitation the officer is already at the door the bolts are withdrawn and clara finds herself in the presence of ferdinand confused and horror-struck at what she had done she scarcely knew where she was everything seemed to swim before her eyes and gasping for breath she caught firm hold of the doorway for support for some moments ferdinand was not aware of her presence as he sat gloomily resting his head upon his hand his elbow supported by a table upon which lay a variety of papers whilst hans a favourite servant who had followed him from germany stood beside him owed by his obstruction and abashed by the presumption she had been guilty of in intruding unsolicited upon his presence clara still stood irresolute fearing alike to advance or to recede till the officer impatient at her delay cried in a loud voice walk in if you please ma'am that i may relock the door i shall return to let you out in an hour the sound of the officer's voice caught the attention of ferdinand and he looked towards the doorway from the shade of which the trembling clara was now forced to advance miss montague cried prince ferdinand who had seen her at elvira's parties and had thought her so pretty as to inquire her name this is an unhoped-for pleasure i did not expect this i came i came stammered clara and here she stopped short for upon recollection she really could not tell why she had come i am delighted to see you said the prince smiling and taking her hand whatever may be the cause that has procured me this honour i-i-i had rather sit down stammered clara without having the least idea what she was talking about well then we will sit down said ferdinand and gently placing her upon a chair he drew on to her side and again took her hand his touch thrilled through clara's whole frame she felt his ardent gaze upon her face and dreadfully agitated fearing she knew not what she turned away from him and tried to withdraw her hand i i i believe i must go said she so soon cried ferdinand again smiling for it was impossible to mistake the cause of her confusion i thought the jailer said he would not come for you again in less than an hour did he repeated clara quite unconscious of what she said and without daring to look at him my dear miss montague will you not bestow one look upon me cried ferdinand in his most insinuating tone sinking upon one knee before her and gently encircling her slender waist with his arm as he turned her towards him 
clara could not resist his imploring eyes her heart beat she blushed she trembled she looked upon the ground when suddenly ferdinand uttered a faint cry and started upon his feet clara gazed at him with wonder for that countenance so lately beaming with love and tenderness now seemed aghast with horror she followed the direction of his eyes and beheld in the doorway the giant form of cheops whilst the mummy's appalling laugh resounded in his ears involuntarily clara shuddered and hid her face in her hands by the silver bow of isis cried cheops tauntingly i admire your charity miss montague why do you hide your face but so it is true merit is always bashful and the beneficial spirit that prompted clara montague to visit the distressed and even prefer a stranger to her own cousin makes her blush to avow her goodness mercy mercy cried clara falling at his feet you know my heart and i implore your assistance then you shall have it returned cheops as for you continued he addressing the prince what is your wish deliver me from this prison and make clara mine and i will be your slave it is well said the mummy clara you must retire with me this is no place for you as for you prince lord maysworth and father murphy will be admitted to your presence in the course of a few hours to consult with you respecting your defence follow their advice and fear nothing rely upon me and you shall be safe come clara you must return to the house of your uncle father murphy wisely informed me of your folly and invoked my aid i come accordingly to relieve you from the dilemma in which your rashness had involved you let us retire and your imprudence will be overlooked in consideration of your youth adieu prince we shall meet again clara now withdrew following her strange guide whose dictum indeed few mortals could resist and leaving the prince's mind much relieved as his confidence in his new friend was unbounded while the discovery he had made of the devoted love of clara soothed his troubled spirit and robbed his confinement of half its bitterness End of chapter three of volume three